Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another weekend at Bergie's. Great to have you here. Bird of Prey is in the house today. It's, it's going to be an amazing episode. But uh, first, I just got in from a parade. And, well, I met this uh, this old school MC there. And he does... Um, well, he does like parade core hip hop, and I'd, I'd never, I've never heard that before. So uh, I told him he could come by and drop a verse. So are you there? Yeah. All right. Yo, yo. Uh, give a warm weekend welcome to MC Marchy Mark. Well, hey everybody, MC Marchy Mark in the house. Yeah. Dial up your paradio. Okay. Well, here we go. Yeah, pound the beat. To the sound of feet, wherever crowds gathering round, I'm bound to be. Holidays to displays over county meat. Always love watching people walking down the street. From the upper side all the way to downtown, to the ups and downs of the upside down clowns. How do they stay upside down? Lord knows, they're like Olympic people with weird torsos. Warm clothes are a must for winter parades. Where do they go in the interim days? Listen, okay? Just don't get in the way. If you see a float you like, we'll give them a wave. Parade. I wouldn't say it's an obsession. Just been known to watch the odd procession and the majorettes playing catch with the vets to the tuba players. Pay your respects. You ever try to cross the street with a brass wind instrument? I bet your ass wouldn't last 10 increments of minutes or uh, milliseconds. Talk about parades? Well, I will, I reckon. Yeah. MC Marchy Mark. Yeah. Holding it down for the parades. It's what we do in the streets. <laughs> Guys, it's Weekend at Bergies, episode 18. Thank you for joining us once again. We've got, as always, a super fun episode. If this is your first time tuning into Weekend at Bergies, I'm really, I'm really happy to have you here joining us. Yes, Bird of Prey is here today. Bird of Prey is a frontiersman of the Canadian underground rap world and just underground rap in, in general, really. Uh, I, I've always been a big fan of Bird. We're going to really get into his rap origins from Vancouver all the way to the East Coast across Canada and just uh, just talk about his career that's really spanned geez, like two decades. So uh, we're going to get into that. If you know who Berta Prey is, I, I know you're excited right now. And uh, if you don't, well, stay tuned because uh, we're all going to learn a lot together. Big shout out to Mark Palermo who joined us last episode. We had got a really good talk about movies and the cinema and, the, and all that stuff, right? Yeah, Mark's a fun, fun, wonderful fella. Just a wonderful fella. See, I'm so nice. I'm so nice right now. Yeah. Hi. I can't complain. It's okay. It's been a busy month. Swamp Thing, new Swamp Thing album, Planet Merc, has dropped. Go check that out. It's uh, put out on Herbnet. You can find it. Just type in Swamp Thing Raps into your uh, computer. You know that computer you got in your pants? That'll help you find it. Shout out Beat Mason, please, on these dope beats. If you see Beat Mason right now when you're walking around listening to this, if you just happen to, if he's in your area, just be like, yo, Beat Mason, shout him out. I'm sure he'd like that. Big, big ups to him. Big ups to everybody supporting Replicable Skills. Thanks so much. A lot of college radio has been uh, kind enough to play us on it and across Canada. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy to see it out there and getting out to, to some people. Tell your friends about it. If you haven't checked it out, go, uh, go grab it. We're pretty, pretty proud of that little record. 
and I'm having a lot of fun. Doing a show coming up December 10th in Toronto at Handlebar. That's a $5 rap show with Swamp Thing, as I just mentioned. More or less is going to be there. Peter Project's going to be there. Royce Berth is going to be in the house. Egyptian Prescription. And you know if you've ever been to a $5 rap show, we always have some special guests. There's surprises. There's fun. Of course, Doogie Howitzer will be there and he's just a nice guy, so you know, you give him five or something, give him give him five bucks to get in the door. That's how you get in. It's a five dollar rap show. Handlebar, this is you are correct if you heard me talk about it last episode. This will be the first show at Handlebar since Rancho Relaxo closed. So it's it's a whole new era. Jump on six years of the five dollar rap show. Pretty exciting. And don't be sick of Star Wars yet. I'm not sick of it. I'm look. I've got the excitement. I've been waiting a long time for this because I those. If you know me, you know I'm not really a big fan of the prequels. I don't like to hate, so I'll just say they're not my favorite movies in the world. But the, this new one, look, they got Han Solo back, Princess Leia's back. I'm pretty sure Luke's gonna be in it. Okay, they're trying to keep it hush, but you know he's gonna be there, right? Right? I don't think we're going to see who jibs those magical, weird, little telepathic bunny guys from that record that came out in the 80s that I had. Did you have that, Planet of the Who Jibs? <laughs> they're real. Yeah, the Who Jibs. Well, they're real in the in the fake, made-up world of Star Wars. But they they really happened. And I, I feel like they keep trying to write them out of the Star Wars canon. But Who Jibs are real. Okay. They were in the, the old Marvel comics. The new Star Wars Marvel comics are great. Like, look, the Star Wars need me to talk about them this much? I don't think so. I'm, I'm really giving Star Wars a lot of free press here. But <laughs> I have a feeling a lot of you listening are going to watch the new movie, too. If you have theories about the new movie, if you have any ideas and you want to, you want me to talk about them with you sort of via weird email delayed thing on this podcast shoot me an email weekend at burgies at gmail.com you got to spell it out weekend at burgies at gmail.com and maybe i'll read them on this now that i've leaked it uh, this star wars special episode that will be happening after this episode Soon. I'm going to go see the movie and then I think I'm going to drop the podcast because I'm going opening night. I got my tickets to the opening night. Yeah. Okay. Star Wars is on my mind right now, but also rap is on the mind. You should know who Bird of Prey is. Chances are a lot of you listening do. I know when I'm talking with fellow rappers and producers and DJs in Canada and it's sort of in our circle we all know, we all know Bird of Prey I've had the honor of, of doing shows with him over the years and and honestly it was a real real pleasure to get to hang out with him we have a, a great talk I don't want to give away too much but it, we're, we're just gonna you know just sit down hear the man talk get a little glimpse into rap and the underground rap really before you know, there was a whole other world. It was a bit of a weird, wild west going on in the 90s of, of underground Canadian rap. And it, I'm always fascinated to hear new uh, new stories and perspectives of, of kind of the stuff that was happening in that world around them. Because really, you you didn't you may not know what was happening in other provinces. Like today, you could be like, hey, I just want to go find out what, what what's happening in New Brunswick right now. Who's doing who's making dope rap in Calgary right now? You can you can find that you can find that out easily. 
But really, you had to dig back in the day to find out what was going on in Canadian hip-hop. And you still kind of do. I mean, who knows what's going on? I know There's always some great music coming out that you, you've never heard, and that's, that's what's exciting about music, right? <laughs> and life and things. Getting excited about things you don't know about. That's what I like to do. So let's just get into it. We're going we're gonna to learn a lot about Bird of Prey and have a great time. Thanks for tuning in, Weekend at Bergies. Here it is, Bird of Prey. It is indeed the weekend. <laughs> you having a good weekend so far, man? I'm having a fantastic weekend. Amazing. Yeah. You just got in, you were doing some digging? I was, yeah, I was out on the uh, the the streets of, of Toronto looking for various vinyl records. Right, you find any rap records today? There, it's it's weird. There seems to be a real, uh, there's not very many in Toronto anymore. There used to be tons and it's it, good stuff though. You know, it's like, yeah, of course you can find early 2000s record pool music industry uh 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 refuse the r kelly remix yeah <laughs> but but like good luck finding something you like and and as far as hip-hop like you know i do buy a bit of everything but my my main stuff is late 80s early 90s you know that's always what i'm after that's the golden era i suppose yeah yeah i mean people do call it that i guess it is it just tends to be it's it's when i was in high school <laughs> so yeah so and and it's funny because i'm always like pushing this well i'm not really nostalgic about records i don't this that and the third but it's like a lot of yeah a lot of those records i would like to well yeah they say the music you heard in high school is what sort of influences yeah. you. i mean it'll same a lot of a lot of stuff i heard junior high high school yeah. that's what i go back to it I just saw it lip sync battle and it was the rock and Jimmy Fallon lip syncing and LL Cool J was the host. And it was just the most surreal thing. Cause all I'm thinking is I'm thinking of, you know, walking with a Panther or like, yeah. you know, mom said, LL. knock you out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking I mean, like, imagine that LL. Yeah. Uh, like in that situation, it's pretty difficult. Yeah. Like old school. I loved LL. Like that yeah. was LL one was of the, the early rap tapes. So yeah, that was like when I started rapping, it was LL. It was like, I heard, you know, bad, I think. And, and a few other songs from that era. And I was just like, Oh, this guy's like, like, and for me, it was like, this guy's like super young. And I was young at the time. But yeah, it was, you, you look and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I could do this maybe. You know, it seemed, it seemed possible. Whereas before that, I felt like a lot of rappers were older. You know, they didn't seem like kids. Yeah, yeah. You look at even, I don't know, Curtis Blow or some of yeah. that stuff. Or, that was like a grown up. You yeah. Know, Curtis Blow was a grown up. I guess Run DMC <laughs> to a degree, but even yeah. them, even. Even though they probably weren't that much older, they seemed a little older. And, and uh, well, particularly by the late 80s, too. Yeah. You know, uh, the guy I always think of is who I was a, a really big, I was really into cool Modi. Right. And, and Modi was, prob- was probably like pushing at least 30, but at that point. Yeah. And he'd been rapping for a long time. I yeah. Mean, he, yeah. His style was, was crazy. So was he, those were kind of your major influences, you'd say, maybe? Uh, well, it's tough to say because. Um, there's a lot Enjoy of your tea. Sorry, man. Oh okay. yeah. One sec. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the weekend, you gotta have some tea. We got some tea. We got tea, some cookies. Uh, very hospitable folks. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I like, it's, it's tough to call something like LL Cool J or Cool Modi an influence, but I guess in a sense and iced tea and things like that, they were just, it, it just, they just cemented my understanding of, of hip hop. I think at that point, rap music. But yeah, stylistically, 
because I wasn't really rapping so much then, I guess I was kind of starting to write rhymes and, and had some sort of idea of it. But in, until I was like pushing myself a little harder, you know, maybe a few years or a year or two after that. So it would have been, you know, like I remember Organized Confusions. first album. Yeah. Super influential. That's a, yeah, yeah. amazing record. Yeah. You know, that was, that was us, man. And was me, that 92? Maybe organized confusion yeah, 92, 90, 93. I think I had I think I had a single by it might have been ninety one, but I ninety one into ninety two. That yeah. was sort of more my like I'd say ninety into into about ninety three was more my my kind of at that point I was trying to write rhymes. Like yeah, I was like trying to rap, and prior to that I was just sort of toying with it, you know. So it wasn't in my understanding. I mean, I was you know in eighty seven I was twelve, yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's not. You know, it was it was definitely more when I was 16, 17 that I was I was like noticing things and being like, oh, I could do stuff like that or try to, you know? Yeah. Like what what sort of appealed to you early on? Do you remember like the wordplay or styles or like voices, delivery, like um, rhythm, it was, fast, it was a, slow? It was always for, for us, like for me and my friends, it was always a complete thing. It would be like, you know, somebody would be really good at rapping and they'd have a dope beat and and you know, the, the image even like, it's like, Oh, you know, Eric B has crazy gold chains. Like that looks really cool or whatever, you know, all those sorts of things. Like it was kind of, yeah, it was all of it. Yeah. They're just these heightened personalities and definitely, I mean, the voice, I mean, you know, your, your, your head. I mean, I listen for voice rhyme style, like delivery, like originality content, like all those things come together. Yeah. I think it's tough to break it down because I'm not, I'm not like a really a, a critic, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm not, I'm just like, Oh, like this, this entire picture is like, whatever it is, is amazing. You know, it's yeah. more, it was always more like that. Yeah. You wouldn't gravitate. You could listen yeah. to, you said ice teas completely different from, you know, yeah. LL in his own yeah. way, you know, but, well, and, uh, and you know, yeah. like just being heavily at the time, being heavily into like native tongues or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it was things like that would be, you know, so influential. Right. Yeah, Q-tip and Ice-T yeah. are completely and completely different. different. Yeah, uh, you know, almost to the point of being opposite in some ways. But there was a there was a thread of a connection, you know, that all those artists carry an original entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was, but it was it was like you could be like, you know, yeah, you know, like I could listen to the Jungle Brothers and listen to Low Profile, and it wouldn't be like they were completely opposite type groups. Like there would be commonalities between them. Yeah, they took what they were doing seriously. Yeah, yeah and and they had. You know the records have samples, and people are rapping well, and and they're telling stories, and they're interesting. Yeah, and that's to you. That's what a, you know. When I first heard you, I was like, this guy. Like I first heard you, I think it was ninety eight. We were talking about that the RKV record. Yeah, I think that was the first right. one. Uh, checking for you. Was that- yeah, yeah. The checking for you now, and the whereabouts twelve inch. Yeah. So that twelve inch came out, and that's. I think I first heard you. I don't know. Maybe if I heard it on the radio first, but I wound up getting a copy of that record through. I sent away to Play D Records. Back when uh, you had, I would call up with like a checklist of like, you got any of this stuff or whatever. And I think it was Play D that I would have got that from. Or maybe, did you have it at Beat Street too? Yeah. In New York? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, it would have been, this is, it's kind of a funny, I don't know, like interesting sort of story. But the first time I went to Play D would have been in 97. Yeah, it was 97. And um, uh, my distributor at the time, I'd spoken to them about the record and they said, well, it's, it's, uh, we're sending an awful lot of copies to Toronto, which was weird to me because I'd, I'd never been here at that point really. And, and 
And, and I was like, I wonder why that is. And then they said, and, and most of them are selling it later record, yeah. <laughs> which was, and I guess what it was, was there was a couple like, um, planet P, uh, worked there. And, and Planet P's Cryptic Souls crew. Yeah. And you were in Vancouver at the time. We'll, we'll get in that, right? You were yeah, coming was, from Vancouver? Yeah, I was living in yeah. Vancouver. I'm from Vancouver. Um, and Platy Records, for people listening who don't know, that's famous record store on Young Street in downtown yeah, Toronto. Yeah, and, and just an, you know, an, an incredible historic place uh, and, and really important to, to the culture, I think. But yeah, it's... It, um, so, so I'd heard this and, and when I went in, I went into the store and I was looking around, and I was just blown away. I was like, man, they have everything here. This place is incredible. And I'm looking at all these, these cool 12 inch singles and, and the owner yelled in the back and said that they were out of the bird of prey single and they needed to put more out. And this is really weird to me because I don't feel like it was that much of a big deal or a phenomenon. It was just a timing thing. While you were in the store. While I was in the store. <laughs> That's amazing. And they didn't know me or, you know, back then it wasn't like you had a, a really clear visual idea of what a particular artist looked like. But yeah. I, and you know, when we're talking chump change here, we're not talking like thousands of copies of a record, but it was like, Oh, that's neat. Um, so it's interesting that you were one of the people that bought that record there. Yeah. I was one of the people who used to call play D cause I would listen to the basement in Halifax at buck 65 used to do. Oh, right. And yeah. he would play all these records. And then I was back and forth between Toronto and Halifax when I was a kid. And I was an avid listener to college radio. Cause that was the only place you could hear Canadian rap really. That's well, and, the, and any, anything, any good sort of rap was on yeah. college radio. So you're in play D record. The guy, the manager yells from out back. Yeah. We need more Bird of Prey records. Yeah. And Bird of Prey is standing there. That's crazy. It was just weird. It was a weird, it was like one of those things where you're like, oh, that's cool. Cause it wasn't like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, walking up to him or like anybody who worked there, like trying to tell them about my life story or anything. But it was just like, oh, these are selling here. I wonder why. And, and, you know, you, saying oh i heard it on the radio it makes sense that's probably what happened right and you would hear i would order yeah. records i they'd do a whole thing where you could call up and i'd, I'd go yeah. down my list of guys i was looking for new records new canadian stuff i mean i was i was interested in canadian rap because at that time i mean there was maestro there was rascals you know the beat factory compilations yeah. i guess would have been around that they time. just started yeah well, the the yeah the sort of second round of, of that stuff had just started but discovering, I mean, that's where how I first heard you. I first heard Mocha only. Oh yeah. Um, and so you were on Vancouver. Yeah. Around this time, so you were you doing stuff with Mocha then? Yeah. You well, know? I, I it, as long as I'd been doing stuff, we'd we'd been working together pretty much. Like I met I met him in Prevail in probably ninety one. Oh wow. Yeah. 92. That's Prevail from Swollen Members. For yeah. Those yeah. keeping track. Um, and that was you know those those were like there was a there was a crew of people it wasn't you know it was obviously like a bunch of other folks out there yeah. but uh, at that time but it was you know we'd all we'd you know write rhymes together and hang out and freestyle and all sorts of things so when did you first start recording stuff uh 95 and were you going as bird of prey then yeah. or did you have a different name You've, yeah right out right out the gate prey, yeah and where did where did that come from you just um it came from there being somebody my high school nickname was bird and it came from there being somebody else with that name. So I was trying to augment it in a way. And it was actually kind of forward thinking because I was like, I want a name no one else has. And it was uh, it definitely would never get used. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Nobody would, would go, oh, yeah, I'm going to call myself that. So I was like, yeah, that's unique. 
and the way you spell it too. You kind yeah. of spell with a bit of a French, almost like yeah. after bird, bird yeah, après. Yeah, it's like, well, and part of that comes from um, graffiti. Not that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dabbled, but I'm not a writer. Uh, but, but uh, me, amongst our friends, we'd all be trying to come with the second, secondary, you know, the, the one or the, the, you know, whatever yep. your, your name augmentation, your, your addition to your name. And, uh, that's, that's actually like perfect example, mocha only, you know, same thing. Yeah. You know? The, yeah. The secondary part, but were you thinking, cause obviously it's a like bird of prey, like a, a raptor attack yeah, bird yeah, or exactly. something. It was a double entendre and it was after, because after represent you know, it's in French. It's sort of weirdly encoded and, and nonsense, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> but the after thing is is like it's like not a number. Like after all the numbers are gone. That's cool. Yeah. And it was after you had been bird. You had yeah, now exactly. become bird of prey. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Else. It's like you and went, it's also yeah. one of those things that you might have think of when you're you're like being clever when you're seventeen or eighteen, and and it's it's like well that's it, <laughs> you know, and you're 40 and you still have this name. Uh, yeah. So what was, when you first dropped, was it, uh, did you drop like a CD, you drop a tape, did you just do compilation oh, yeah. stuff? I, I don't think, I don't think I had anything out on an actual CD for, uh, until alleged legends. The first thing I did was, uh, we did a compilation cassette between a bunch of us. Um, there was a crew called Q continuum that, uh, prevail right. had started, uh, and there was a tape. Who was all in that? Uh, it was, it's a lot of people. Uh, anybody still doing stuff now? Yeah. Well, a number of people I would think I'm trying to go through the list, but, um, people like, uh, like, uh, Sichuan would have been in, in QC, uh, myself, RKV and Che were in QC, my, my crew. Um, Mocha was in QC for a time. Uh, Kiprios, uh, Oz 12, um, I'm running out of, uh, yes, it was classic there was rap. Lot, posse. There was a lot of people. Zen 26 yeah. was like a, a dude in that crew too. And how was the Vancouver scene at that time? Was there like an all ages place you guys could go or was there sort of there, like hip hop stuff happening? There was a, there was a, a real culture of, of all ages clubs in Vancouver, um, which I think goes back quite a ways, but in the late eighties and early nineties, you would go, there would, was at least three or four of them we would go to. There was a place called 86th street. Um, I can't remember. There was a venue there. I think that might've been the, the 19 and over club, but there was another place that was like for kids and a lot of the, the, uh, hip hop people in Vancouver from that era would have met around that time. Yeah. Now when did that, cause they, that, the Vancouver hip hop history is something I don't really know that well. So would you know what, like what was the earliest hip hop coming out of Vancouver? It was like, the, the setting it off and speaking of emceeing, rapping, DJing can't speak to, to, uh, you know, b-boying or, or graffiti. Cause that's a little older and we could get into that too. I know a little of that history, but that's, that's more complex. That history the rapping thing is is real clear cut. It started with EQ. EQ, yeah. And so yeah. when was that? Like maybe eighty eight. They came to Vancouver in eighty six, and they were not from uh, uh, Kilo C, who later became their DJ. I think before that it was King Otto, uh, who I believe now lives in Minnesota. Um, Ease and Quays. I'm not. I think Quays might be from Seattle originally. Ease is from Patter was from Patterson. 
New Jersey. But were they, so at the time when you guys were doing your thing, was there another scene kind of happening around you or were you guys the scene? No, there was a, there was a number of things happening, but that, that sort of teen nightclub thing is where, cause everybody at a point was of a certain age. Yeah. So, you know, somebody like the rascals or, you know, uh, Mocha, myself, you know, you go down the list, uh, all, all the people of that age were mostly teenagers, right? So they'd be hanging out at places like this. EQ was more, they were older and they were more, uh, um, you know, the 19 and over clubs and, and big venues. They opened for public enemy, you know, things like that. Yeah. 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 Public enemy got around a lot. I think Canada in the, uh, in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. So when you did, you did a compilation with everybody in the, in the crew. Yeah. This, and this is much later. This was not, like I said, 95, there'd already been like things that already gelled to a point, you know, um, Cypher, for example, had put out a record. Right. Uh, yeah. That Cypher record's really dope. Actually. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's, that's that 360, 360 yeah. degrees. Yeah. yeah. And that's G squared from boss, uh, Boston. What yeah. happened to those guys? Cause that's still, he's still doing stuff. Yeah. He's, uh, he was, I can't remember the name of the group. There's a group. From Boston, you know, he worked with Ed OG and people like that too. Cool. Um, I don't know, I don't know him really, but he's he's definitely, you know, uh that was a big thing that happened there. And and um Yeah, the beats on that record are really good. That's that would have been early nineties or maybe mid nineties. Yeah, I'm trying to think more, of when I that was the thing ninety four, ninety five. Those 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 types of records, you know. The, I mean, obviously, the Rascals have records going way back. Yeah, you know, and there's really you know, living. I yeah, had and, that and on tape. What the hell? Which was Mad Child and Prevail had something out really early. Oh, I know. I never heard that. Um, you know, there's uh, a group called Finesse and Showbiz had a record out in 1990, I think. Not Lord Finesse and Showbiz. And no, <laughs> no. Interestingly, different um, Finesse, different Showbiz. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like, that's what comes down to the name, right? Exactly. You need a name like Bird, yeah. but there's only one Bird. There's of only Prey. one. Uh, it's easy. I think it was. There's one name like extra prolific. There's extra prolific, yeah. and then there's prolific. And I would meet prolifics all over the place. Like yeah, a buddy yeah. of mine who changed yeah. his name. He, he was prolific for a while. Then there's another prolific. I was like, which you know prolific? Which prolific are you talking about? But the other, the other prolific. It's like people first hear a word and they, you know, they get that word. It's like I just discovered this word. I'm going to use it as my name. You know, like yeah. cathartic. Cathartic. See, there's, <laughs> I don't think That's anybody's right. actually is somebody. If somebody's called that, you know, reach out. Holler. We're not dissing anybody named yeah. Cathartic, but but that's like <laughs> that'd actually be a good name. Now yeah. that I think about it, oh, it's good. It's good. Like, it's like, cathartic uh, to listen to. Uh, yeah, like descriptive <laughs> words. Yeah, ne- Nebulous. <laughs> MC Nebulous. I'd listen to something called Nebulous, and it works when you hear a guy, yeah. when you hear or a girl, when you hear them, when if it suits the music, then that's yeah, that's what yeah, it is. It's yeah. Descriptive, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> So Vancouver, and then you made it over. What, what happened? Then you moved to Winnipeg, Manitoba. No, yeah, I, I hadn't been to Manitoba until I moved there, which was much later. That's far fast forwarding quite a bit. Um, I put out a couple twelve inches in Vancouver. Um, my group, actually, the tape we did it was RTA running the asylum, which was me and a DJ and a producer slash DJ. Uh, so it was RKV, Che Imperial, myself. And then we had our like affiliates, right? And everybody sort of wrapped with us, um, uh, Caraburan crew and, and 
Mocha was a big part of it. Uh, a guy named Reckless, uh, Basic Instincts, which was Stace Prince and that bastard Jeff, Factor Fiction. Uh, you know, lots of like, there was a lot. Vancouver was pretty deep. There was a lot of really cool artists at that point. Nice. You know, early, early to mid 90s. Dope, dope. And that and would then, have been similar. Now, when did you start hearing about other stuff that was happening in Canada? Like, say, like uh, the Peanuts and Corn guys or like... I, yeah, I, I heard about PNC much later. Like, I didn't do... How did I get introduced to them? The first, the first stuff that I was introduced to that I can remember was... Well, it was all Toronto stuff, for starters, outside of Vancouver. And then I heard Freak Show. Freak Show played... There was a rap battle in Vancouver called the DJ Sound Wars. And Freak Show's from Winnipeg. From Winnipeg. Yep. And they performed at this rap battle and they slayed it. And it was very weird because we didn't know there was rap in Winnipeg. And we yeah. were just like, what is this? You know, this is incredible. So, you know, that was sort of, that was one of my, one of the earlier examples I can think of. Uh, somebody had played me a Witch Doc, Joe Run and Flexman yeah. song once. And I was like, this is neat. And, um, that might've actually been it for outside of, oh, and I was familiar with, you know, some of the, there's a couple artists from Ottawa, um, that are not from Ottawa, sorry, from, uh, Edmonton that I was familiar with. And then, and then a few, like there was some Ottawa artists I, I knew of, you know, but I didn't hear the Halifax stuff other than, I think, I think the Joe run and flex man was the first thing I heard. But until I moved to Toronto, I hadn't heard anything else. Really. Right. Oh, Hip Club Group. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. they had that big them. record for sure. Yeah, and yeah. I really hated them. Um, <laughs> like, uh, actually? No. I mean, I was just like, oh, I don't like this. Um, but then, you know, I, I... You went on to do a record with... Certainly moves, warmed yeah. up to what they were doing. Of course, I, yeah. You know, I really like it now, and, and they're great. Yeah, no. Um, but they know that. We've talked about it yeah. extensively. It's just like... Well, and that had the whole scene coming out of Nova Scotia at the time was pretty yeah. dope. You mentioned them and Joe Run and Buck 65 yeah. and everybody. No, but, and and then, now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, I probably did hear Hip Club Groove first. Uh, and then Tom Quinlan uh, of of uh, Tom Quinlan fame. Of, uh, <laughs> and Solo Records, and yeah. Solo Friend Records. Friend of the show. Uh, he hit me to a lot. I, he was my roommate when I moved to Toronto the first time in 97. And he introduced me to a lot of... A lot of uh, uh, Halifax artists, all of them, basically, yeah. that I didn't know. He was kind of the guy in Toronto who I think started bringing Halifax hip-hop to Toronto because apparently, and I don't know, I wasn't involved at the time, obviously, with the whole Beat Factory stuff, yeah. but there was a real, I think there was a snubbing of East Coast artists that was yeah. maybe perceived whether it was I, intentional I feeling, or not. I have a feeling it was probably perceived yeah. snubbing, and it was probably one of those things, too, where... People here, I just don't think they had time to care. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when you come in and you're like working really hard and doing a ton of stuff and you're like, oh, my music's good and, and I'm, you know, challenge, I'm being challenging and, you know, making cool things and, and people are just like, uh, we got something else going on. You're like, huh? Yeah. And it was at the time because the Beat Factory had positioned itself as being the Canadian hip hop compilation. Right. It was, so I think- it was an authority and, and, and that's how it works, you know? And, and a lot of times it's like people have a sound and they have an idea of, of how they want things to be. Yeah. 
and we both know, I mean, there's so much work that goes into putting out an album at the end of the day. It's yeah. like, you know what? We're, we're doing all this work anyway. So we're going to put on the people that we know and we know are hustling and, yeah, and, and, our and thing. if we don't know you, it's not the, you're being you know, dissed. It's just, no, and for sure. And I don't, I don't know the specifics. It could be more than that. It could be less. Oh yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. I think it was just always rumored. But I've heard and, that for sure. And, and I as know a young was... fan, I was like, why isn't Halifax on these Canadian albums? Yeah. Like well, I, was just, Vancouver, I was personally annoyed. Vancouver was always represented by the rascals. And that was, yeah. that was a big, that was a big thing too, was that it was, it was, that was the group and for rightfully so, you know, but at the time they were, they were, they were the, the powerhouse, right? In yeah. Vancouver. And nobody was really checking for anyone else. Yeah. So in Toronto, when you moved here, late '90s, what was happening? What was the scene like? Like, where were the where were the venues? Where were, who was doing um, stuff? Like, what was kind of was, popping off? I was so periphery, peripherally involved with with anything that was going on. I just, you know, I played a few shows. Um, I'd hang out with with friends, and I'd go to things. I remember, you know, going to the there was a party called Urbanisms. I went to, and and probably some of the Planet Mars stuff. You know, things like that. I wasn't, uh, and I went to, I actually went to a lot of shows, but I didn't, I didn't, at that point I wasn't really performing here. I might've performed once or twice, but, but I did check out a lot of, there was a lot of cool stuff. I remember going to, uh, Frankenstein's release party, which, right, yeah. you know, that was a great record. Um, what happened to Frankenstein? I think he's still doing stuff. I think there's maybe a European connection or something. There's records coming out. I heard something not that long ago. It was really nice. Because he was kind of set at one point to be, you know, I always hate to say the next big thing or whatever, but people were talking about Frankenstein a lot. I remember hearing a lot yeah, of hype well, around I that think album. Was, I think there was a was, lot of really good, there was a lot of really good quality music. And I don't want to, I don't want to just be like, oh, Toronto rap, but it's like, there was some really good stuff. And yeah. as a, you know, like I said, I collect a lot of rap records and, and, a lot of really good stuff came out of here. Lots of lots of mathematics records. Yep. Great, you know. Tough dumpling was what was it the tough dumpling stuff? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, and, and I remember Socrates, the early Socrates stuff oh, was yeah, crazy. Unbelievable. There's Cardi, there's so all that much, stuff. Yeah, you know, and 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 that's the thing too. It's like, but when you when you come from a different part of Canada, you're you're kind of always like, well, you know, you feel a little underrepresented or something, right? And it's like, oh, this all this Toronto stuff, and there's like three records from Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Know? True. So, so it's kind of, you know, but it makes sense because the entire music industry in the country is based here pretty much with the, and the population is so much bigger too. Yeah. So. And, and the, the, the culture is, is way more entrenched. Right. So it's like, you know, a lot of us out West were living in a bit of a, you know, a vacuum. It was like our own little scene, you know, but you were able to develop your own styles. Yeah, for which, sure. And I think the same thing happened in Halifax, probably yeah. to a larger degree. You know, it's more isolated and, and you know, a lot of that music is is uh, even more left field and out there. You know, I don't, I'm, I, I kind of fit somewhere in, in between the two things, I think. Yeah, well, you're very, I mean, listening to you, you're very classic. You adhere to sort of the, my classic uh tastes for for hip-hop with the rhyme structure and beat creation and just flows and just everything that you do and I, I mean i've you know i've always been a fan of your work and what i but you're very distinct and you're very unique and it's an original thing and i mean that probably has a lot to do with the canadian thing and vancouver and developing your own voice and i think with yeah. any artist with time because i you've been at it now for for a minute right so oh, very long yeah and and you know again we've we've sort of been just talking about what a lot of people I think would be ancient history, you know, and it's, it's more like, as far as like my own recordings and stuff I've, I've been doing, it's like, 
you know, there's, there's these little pinpoints that happened in the nineties, but most of it's been post post 99, you know? Yeah. Well, you've had a major, like a lot of output, right? Yeah. Like with the, the PNC stuff. So yeah, Toronto starting, was, yeah. And Toronto was, it's funny because Toronto was where everything came together in a weird way because through Tom Quinlan, uh, I met, uh, Marcus Stanzo of, of Len, who was, uh, Derek McKenzie from, from hip club groove was, was in a group with, and, Moves was in that group and I met Moves through them and me and Moves started working on stuff together, you know, through basically through that loose line of connections. And then uh, Moves ended up moving to Vancouver and that's when we finished. We started working on Alleged Legends here. Which is a dope album. That's a really dope album. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And 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 we took it to, we, we finished it in Vancouver. So it's kind of got, I like the cross Canada connection. Yeah, yeah. It's And it is, you know, him being from Halifax, me being from Vancouver. Yeah. And then that's where PNC came in because Moves and me were planning on releasing that album as a cassette. And Roddy was like, I'd heard it, I guess. And I just met him. And PNC, just for the listeners who may not know, Peanuts and Corn was a, a record label in Canada from probably from, 2002 or earlier. No, it, it goes back to the, uh, Roddy had out the Ethics EP, which was another early sort of Canadian thing I heard. And, and a few other things. Farm Fresh, I think, first his first group started putting out records in 92. Oh, that long. Okay. Yeah. 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 Tapes. I should Tapes. say. Okay. Tapes. And, and they go way back. So yeah. So penis and corn were, I mean, I remember they were, when I first heard of them was probably late or early two thousands yeah. when I first heard and they, PNC. And they come out of, and, and I have another affiliation I have with Winnipeg is, is um, my good friend uh, Emerson bad manners from a group called shades of black. And, he was part of our crew in Vancouver, basically. He was friends with us, but he moved to Winnipeg in the mid-90s, I think. He was sort of back and forth, but eventually ended up there. And they'd put out a record on on Peanuts and Corn early on. And I'm trying to think of where I was going with this, but he... You were going to put out a tape, and then Roddy at Peanuts and Corn Records wanted to put out a CD. Or right. maybe vinyl. I don't yeah, know. no, he was like, he was like, this doesn't, this should be on, on uh, this should be on, on CD. Because that was the, uh, yeah, the technology at the time. time. It was yeah. like a cassette. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> He's like, you're so behind on this, right? But no, but I just met him and he really liked the record. So he wanted to release it. And that's how we hooked up. But yeah, when I think about it, I did have some, I must have had some understanding of Winnipeg, you know, vague, vaguely. Yeah. You know, I knew Mood Rough, for example. Right, right. You know, I'd met those guys. And, they were, again, one of the few Canadian groups to have a rap video in, yeah. the, in the 90s. Yeah, so exactly. I, that's how I knew Mood Rough. That's how I knew Freak Show. I, a well, lot of that yeah. stuff. If you had a video, then you yeah. were real, basically. And there's, and there's a crazy, there's a crazy, speaking of Freak Show, I recently, um, my good friend Steve St. Louis, shout out to him, who uh, I sometimes do radio with, um, he actually managed to track me down a copy of the patient's 12 inch, the freak show video and good luck is all I can say. If you're looking for that one. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Pretty scarce. I don't know. I'd never seen it before. And yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. They've, they just probably, I mean, I don't even know how much it cost back then to get vinyl though. We know now like expensive. making vinyl is crazy expensive. It was but, expensive. Yeah. And you just get like, it's yeah. just a, it's just a like a B side, like couple, only a couple tracks. You could get, well, on a 12 inch, you could usually, a lot of people would do like, they'd have like a clean version, yeah. you know, dirty version, instrumental, maybe an acapella if you're really adventurous and then a, a B side, you know, and some people would do an EP instead cause it's basically the same thing. Yeah. 
So the patient's vinyl is yeah. that an A? Is it just like the I single or is it an EP kind of thing? Two. I want to say two songs on it and and instrumental. Maybe yeah. a remix or something. I I'd have to look at it again. But I was shocked to see it. Yeah, I was like this is very interesting. I found a clothes horse record from like 2002, just in a random record. Yeah, this a white around, label right? weird thing. I was like, where did this come from? It's just, it's just yeah. this is the same like it's so so clothes horse stuff. So yeah, so yeah, you know all these all these things sort of get around, and you get like through through moves. I of course met Governor Bolts and Tachichi and and you know C and all these people, and through Roddy I met. Pipskid and John Smith and, and Gruff the Druid and, you know, all these people. And then the country starts becoming a little bit more connected. Know, connected yeah. 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 There was a whole thing happening. And then you went to, on to do Nothing Is Cool, which is one of my favorite records. Like really? that era. Yeah. You yeah. did Nothing uh, with Macaron. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. when I first saw you because that would have been maybe 2006 or seven. Uh, when you drop that, it's, it's two. It was two thousand and five. Okay, because but it's exactly ten years old, I believe. That's what. Yeah, we're you, talking about this the other day, and that was, that's right. This is tenth anniversary. And that was my biggest. That was my biggest release that I've been involved in. It got a lot of a lot of media, and you know, it's it made its way out there. The beats were dope, and you guys went back and forth really well, and yeah. the singles were really hot. Um, but yeah, you came here. I think I saw you at Gypsy Co-op. Yeah, yeah, yeah we you, played there. That was a fun show. So that was well, maybe. Maybe that was 2005. It would have been 2006. Oh, that was 2006. That, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the record, I think, had been out for a bit. It always takes a bit of time. Yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> Canadian rap records. It's like, oh, the album came out, and then two years later, you get the yeah. tour organized. Yeah, <laughs> if you're lucky. Sometimes never. Yeah, that's how I work. Yeah, exactly, yeah. if I'm lucky. Um, cool. So that dropped 2006, and then what was what was cooking? Like peanuts and corn stuff was happening? Yeah, we did um, PNC off of that and a few other releases at the time, a lot of Roddy stuff was very well received at that time. And, you know, again, lots of press and, uh, I don't know the exact details, but there was, there was, you know, and Roddy's kind of, McEnroe for those yeah, listening. Yeah. Not sorry, know. Yeah. McEnroe. Um, but he shout got, out McEnroe for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, he got things really rolling and started putting out a lot of releases in a short period of time. Uh, so I put out the album, get it done. Uh, I think that was 2006 or 2007. Very, you know, kind of on the heels of of, of uh, Nothing Is Cool. Yeah. And I think that was my last PNC release. Yeah, and now PNC's, they've sort of slowed, they haven't really done anything in a while. I know McEnroe just put out a release. He just dropped something. But Yeah, Burn Orange came out. And, and he, puts, he puts out a record when he feels like it now. I yeah. think it became, it got to a point where it was just too much. He was yeah. trying to do something every three months. And there were so many artists on that label. I mean, that he was, was a, producing yeah. everything. He was, you know, with the, I think the, the exception in the catalog is, is alleged legends is probably the only record he didn't make the beats for, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. except I think when you go back further, Honeycutt made some beats and I'm sure, you know, like some of the other artists yeah, did their own stuff, but in the newer era, it was all him, and he did everything. Yeah, and Pipskid was putting out a lot of stuff then. Yeah. John Smith, like that whole yeah. yeah, that was a great vibe. And I know those guys are still active. They're on. I just was listening to your Catch an L record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're up on that, and uh, yeah, and Gruff, shout out them for sure. Yeah, Gruff, yeah, yeah. And Gruff the Druid, I think has just dropped a, a recent project on Mod, which sort of when Roddy slowed down, um, uh, Pippi had gone on. Pipskid had gone on tour to Europe and, and met Tom DeGeter, uh, Speed Dial 7 from from Belgium. And, and they 
hit it off and, and sort of theorized this online presence that was a kind of a label and a place where you could pick up interesting music. And uh, it really grew. Marathon of Dope. Yes. So you've got four releases with them right now, right? I, I would ha- I'd have a hard time counting. I know we put out two, the Toothpaste EP. Uh, I put out uh, Catch an L. Uh, I did a record with Rob Crooks uh, uh, called Argyle. And I'm, it's slipping my mind. Well, what else? now the new one with Gray J is that? Yeah, it's it's up there. So we'll count that. Yeah, too. Uh, they're more. It was more like a, a hosting situation. Uh, Gray J, Andy Rudolph, who I worked on the record with, uh, coordinated and basically took care of of the release. And, and that record's called If and If, if and, and Only If. if. And yeah. he is he he's from a rock background. Is he? Kind yeah, of like- he's he's. Uh, in a progressive rock group called Mahogany Frog, and he's also got a, a surf band called the Catamounts, and he's a he's a, a drummer and you know keyboard player and plays you know a pretty wide range of other instruments too. And lives in Winnipeg. Now. Lives in Winnipeg. Yeah, sound artist as well, and and into you know tone generators and and tape and weird doing weird stuff. Yeah. Now on Catch an L because that's. That's was that be more like your most most full length recent release or is if and only if if and only if it's, it's a full length yeah full full uh, I think it's ten songs ten songs a lot it's a good yeah. number interesting thing about toothpaste catch an L um there's a record Pip Donahue Pip Skid record there's uh, DJ Brace and Bird of Prey instrumental record uh, called Raw the interesting thing about all those those releases is that. I produced them. As you well. made all the beats, I made yeah. The beats. Secret, your secret weapon. Yeah, yeah. Which nobody saw coming, I'm sure. From your own crate digging uh, yeah, library. I, yeah, just you know, uh, little stuff, and you know, I hooked up like an SP three hundred three, like real basic setup, and just kind of looped things and made weird sounds happen. Classic stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, your production. I mean, with the dust. I love the dust. Yeah. Telling you the dusty Very samples. Dusty. Yeah, yeah. Hearing that record hiss, and yeah. you've just got. Really, really unique stuff. When you're building a record, like say for the Pip Donahue, that's yeah. Pip Skid, and was it someone else on that as well? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I produced it under the name Fizzy Asper. Right. Okay. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, an unfunny joke. Um, What's the joke? <laughs> Izzy Asper is a, a well-known uh, um, media person in Winnipeg, and I, I just, you know, made it Fizzy. Asper, Izzy, yeah. Sounds know, cool. The Fizzle Dance. Uh, I don't know where that came from. It sounds just, like a record. I was looking for a name and digging. I was like, that'll work for this. Yeah, no, it sounds like a record digging, beat making mastermind. Yeah. yeah. So he became a character for a while. And then I just, I didn't really phase it out. I just kind of started just saying it was produced by Bird of Prey. I don't know. I'm ba- I'm kind of bad at those things, like executing some sort of like alter ego. <laughs> <laughs> well, people know you as yeah. Bird of Prey and people yeah. will check for it and it, it gets, it gets tough, but you were saying like you, you don't really like to promote your stuff that well. I mean, you like to promote it, but you're, you're very I'm humble not, about I'm it. I'm not very interested in, in, you know, uh, that <laughs> <laughs> in, in, uh, you know, hollering at people and being like, Hey, check out my whatever. It's like, you want, you want to hear it? It's there. You know, I made it find it you know i know it's counterproductive in some ways but i just i I just don't want to be that guy 
Well, yeah, we're inundated everywhere. Every time yeah. you log online, somebody's promoting something, and and it's tough to do. But as long as you just keep yeah, it, and it's not like I don't do it at all. I'm just I just try to like minimize it. So with Marathon of Dope, are they handling your your promotional? Because I I get the their their yeah, email yeah, no, updates. Yeah, they, they do. They always they always add me to the email update if I have a release. And there's you know it's 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 out there. And I think at this point, you know, through their associations with other artists, they're they're they get a lot of traffic. You know, there's a lot of people going to that site to find things. So, yeah, nice. And your new one just came out on tape. We were talking about cassettes. Yeah, yeah, it's a cassette. That was Andy's idea, Gray J's idea. If and only if. Yeah, he was he was like, we should put these out on tape, and I was like, you're crazy. And then people seemed really into it. So, and where can people grab that? Um, for me, I have some. Uh, there's, there's how do they find you? The odd store. I I secretly left one in Toronto at a place called LPs. LPs. Uh-huh. Uh, it won't have a price on it, but I'm sure they can come up with a price. They don't have it there, <laughs> but. I like that. Yeah, hidden Easter egg. Yeah. We didn't order this, but it's dope. Yeah, but they should make some money off of it. So, so again, I keep coming back to Catch an L because I was just listening to it, so it was fresh in my mind. Yeah. There's a song called The Best Reuben. Yeah. Are you a big Reuben sandwich enthusiast? I really like Reubens. Uh-huh. Tasty. What, so what is that? It's like corned beef? Yeah, and usually there's like a sauerkraut on it yeah. and, and some kind of like, I don't know what the other thing is. There's a, It's like, I want to say like thousand Island dressing. Or something. <laughs> it's like something crazy like that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not one of these people that like is very technical with food. Like, you know, some people will be like, Oh, it's got to have this and that. And it's just like, I'm just like, well, that was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you look for in a good Reuben then? Uh, well, I'll just, I'll just keep eating them until I find it. Until you find the best yeah. one. So you haven't found the best Reuben yet. No, I've, well, I, I, I've had a number of really good ones. They are. They're, it's a fantastic sandwich. I recommend it. It's it's a bulky. I've had one before. It's yeah. at least once or twice. It's a yeah. uh, it's a it's a fill you up kind of sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, some cheese on there, often. and yeah, you know, I, I try to keep it. You know, yeah, no, I love my sandwiches, so that's yeah. good. Kind of want, kind of want a Reuben now. Mm-hmm. What are you working on right now? You got something uh, coming up? Uh, you know what? There's there's so many things that could happen. <laughs> I I don't know where to start because I just this this is unusual for me because a lot of times I'll, I'll like go a year without anything and then just lately people have just been like hey do you want to do this do you want to do this do you want to do this and and I think I'm gonna have a lot of stuff come out in the next year and I don't know what exactly nice nice so yeah. are you gonna be handling a lot of production or are you working with different beat makers with different producers yeah that's been a lot of uh, um, who's hit me up. Um, there's a guy named uh, uh, Starving Marvel from Vancouver uh, who used to go by the name DCO, uh, and he's he's got a label. and I, I recorded a bunch of songs with him recently. Um, I did a hip house tune with a good friend of mine, Rennie Foster. Hip house? How would you describe hip house? Uh, uh, hip hop and house music. So it's rapping over a house beat, essentially. Much, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, the breaks the, are kind of different. But usually yeah. the house beat is catering to a hip hop. To the rhyme, sound. yeah. And it's something that doesn't, I mean, it kind of doesn't exist now because everything is just a sludge that was produced in a blender. That So every music is the same music. You, as far well, as with tell. the trap beats and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Was that considered? Well, or, like, no, but but you know, like like the, the sort of techier shit, the, the like dance stuff. Yeah. It's all, you know, that that is, I'm sure, 
other people could tell you more about that. But to me, it's just like, okay, I don't know what's going on anymore. But at a time, it was like a very clear thing. And it was often, you know, the cut on the album that people would fast forward in 89. Uh, it would be like, uh, that's the dance song. I don't really want to hear that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, amongst certain people, those those tunes are magic, you know. Especially the house DJs. Well, it, uh, yeah. And and there's a lot of nostalgia around that. Yeah, um, yeah. But my man, Rennie Foster, who uh, used to go by Dub Not One, was in a group called Sound Advice in Victoria. And they were one of the first groups in Victoria. I also lived there. And they were, I believe they, it was them in a group called Disc Company that were the first two rap groups in Victoria. And I'm trying to think. He So he started out sort of in hip-hop and and he was a DJ. So he played all kinds of stuff, but he he got into uh, techno and and things and has been has a varied you know all kinds of releases. But one of his last songs was a song called "Connect Like Four with Mocha Only." So it's it's kind of like a Jungle Brothers hip house kind right, of right, right. And uh, he asked me to do a song, so we did a song, nice um, called "Exchange Something," and that will probably be coming out very soon. Fresh. Now, does he play a lot in Vancouver, or is he sort of all over the place? He was. Uh, uh, he's all over the place. Yeah. But, but he is based in Vancouver now. Yeah. He lived in Japan for years as well. Yeah, I hear there's a good. I think there's a good like dance kind of industrial scene in Vancouver, right? Or yeah, yeah. well, that I mean, that's the the sort of going back even a bit further to the early '80s. That yeah. was a big thing. Um, this is more. He's he's like a, a, a Detroit techno kind of guy. Like that's his his sort of purview, you know. Right. He's into that stuff. Cool. Just made some notes. I'm very fancy. Notes. <laughs> notes are good. I know you got a clipboard, a serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got to take. Did you get no, no, it's, no big it's deal. all good. You just yeah, not, nothing. You good for deal. time? Nothing. Yeah. Big... No, I just got a. I got a little information. Information's good to have. Yeah, it's useful. Nothing's a big deal. Nothing is cool. Nothing. Everything is cool. Everything is, is new, cool. Nothing is cool. <laughs> yeah. When you guys did that tour, were you? Did you get around uh, all of Canada, or were you just? Uh, no, I've I've never been to the East Coast. Strangely, you've still never been. Nope. Ah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I've I've never been. I've I've actually never played Ottawa. I've never played Montreal. I've never played East of Toronto. Um, st- strangely, um. I haven't played a lot of shows in the States. I think I've played uh, Los Angeles. Go nowhere, show no flair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and uh, I've uh, almost everything is, is Ontario and Western Canada. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why that is exactly. I'm sure you'd hook up shows there if you wanted. Well, it's, yeah, no, it it's, you know, it's, it's um, not always cost effective and, that's you know, it, yeah. I don't really have a lot of disposable income to just be like running around, but I, I would, I'm sure I could, I could do the East, Eastern Canada, but it's just never come up. Nobody's yeah. ever been like, Hey, do you want to play a show in Halifax? Let's people listen, <laughs> hook something up. But yeah. I mean, that's it, right? It's like, if you have to, have, you got to have a car, you got to have yeah. people willing yeah. that you and can I hang could, out with and do it. I could do it. You know, yeah. I'd be into it, I guess, but it's like, it's just never, it's strangely never really happened. Um, I'm trying to think there was another, oh yeah, so Nothing Is Cool Tour. We did, we played throughout Ontario, Manitoba, uh, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC. And that was the biggest tour I've done. And I haven't been to Europe, I haven't been to Japan. You 
know, my music gets everywhere, but yeah. I don't necessarily. Well, that's that's good, man. That's yeah. the, the music's getting out there, and I mean, even better. But but yeah, no, I mean the rap the the rap scene in Canada is always a challenge to sort of get a, get across. Cause, yeah, and it's it's you know a lot, and a lot of people just go outside of the country. You know, it's it's easier if you can do it. You know, it's like oh, I could play in the same amount of space. I can play. 15 more shows exactly you know, or whatever right because so. here after ontario i mean getting over to winnipeg i guess well there's thunder bay and yeah I, and you you get into you get into a lot of places like you know it's like oh can i play a show in sudbury is there enough interest is there enough interest in thunder bay i don't know and then you know start going further west and it's just you know it's, yeah. it's few and far between it's tough and it's, to, and it's yeah. all it's generally bigger places yeah. right so and it's not that nobody like there are artists that make a you know a go of that, yeah, living, yeah. just playing the small towns. Well, you have to make your own scene, really. I yeah. mean, if you're an artist, you know, and you're wherever you are, you gotta you gotta really build your scene yeah, and, and yeah, put in that work. If that's a goal, and it's it's you know for for um, for us, we did we played a lot of ski towns. You know, that was I mean, I wouldn't say my first show outside of Vancouver, but like we we'd play Whistler, yeah, you know, Jasper. You know, Fernie, places like that. We used to play lots of shows, places like that. Yeah, I mean, there's scenes, there's great. I'm just thinking out west, too. I mean, you know, Calgary's got some stuff happening. Edmonton's got its thing, and Saskatoon's yeah, like, crazy. Like, great yeah. scene in Saskatoon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so when you're making beats, what are the, what do you like to, to use? Uh, I, as a as sampler or yeah. as, as source material? Either. For both. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I use the SP-303. Back in the day, I would use... Um, there was a sampler called the ESI 32. It was uh, Emu, which is the same company that makes SP 1200. Yeah. Um, it was a weird rack mount thing that nobody fucked with, really. But I, I was very into it. I'm trying to think, I used the EPS and Sonic for a little while. Uh, S950. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not tech. I'm not a tech type person. So yeah. whatever's the easiest, and that's why I was like, oh. I like Mocha introduced me to the SP three Oh three and he was like, I think you'd like this. And yeah, like within a week or two, I was just knocking out loops and, you know, running filters over them and just making some dirty nonsense and then just going to town. Nice. Now were those your first beats you were making or did you ever dabble? I'd made stuff before, you know, like I said, I had all these access to all these different samplers and I was always like a big co-producer because I was always into records just, for the sake of it. And I'd be like, Hey, you should, can we use this? I'd bring it yeah. to the producer and they'd be like, Oh yeah, let's hook that up. That's how I work a lot of the time. I, I'm yeah. always checking for samples, but making beats. I mean, I haven't made beats in years yeah. and because I just met people who could make way better beats. Than yeah. Me. Well, and that's the thing, right? <laughs> but my, my stuff, the thing with, with records like toothpaste and with, with catch and all that I hear a lot is, is that producers are like, producers come to me and they're like, Oh, I want to make something like that. And I'm like, okay (laughs) like to me it just seems like elementary simplistic whatever but but it it's sort of i wouldn't say with everybody obviously but it it resonates with a lot of people where they're like oh yeah there's really not much to this but it's good it's dope yeah yeah (laughs) you know and 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 i've talked to i've had an you know five or six different you know well-respected beat makers that you you would know i'm sure i'm not going to name names but go yeah, I made I, I made like a toothpaste kind of beat. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> like like cool, like it's fresh, but it's interesting because you're like, there's really nothing to it. But I guess it's 
it's a way of doing things, you know? And it's your ear. At the end of the day, yeah. you've got a good ear for the stuff. So when you, to yeah. you, if it sounds good, whatever, however you, you way yeah. you, and you mentioned coming that, You that. mentioned the song, song Show No Flair. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's got a certain sound to it that, you know, uh, people might pick up on it. They might not. But it's, I think it's a one bar jazz loop or something. And then I cut it in with something else, maybe at one point. But it's off a record like lots of people would know. Yeah. But I, I, you know, challenge somebody to figure out what it is. Well, the sampling again, like your samples, they sound kind of like, I'm like, oh, some of these samples sound like it could have been almost, uh, I heard I heard something that sounded like it was like, oh, this could have been like from a Ghostface record or something. But right. then some other stuff, just like really dusty, older, dirty, cool, like secret samples that I hadn't heard used before. So I'm yeah. always, when I hear samples, I'm like, oh, I don't know this record at all. And not that I know every sample out by no, but, no means. But, but you, you can trust me when I say that you could take uh, a, any sample spotter and, and that part of my catalog, the stuff that I did myself, and they would have trouble with at least 50% of it. That's awesome. You know, there's, a, there's exceptions. I used very, some very well-known records in recognizable ways, too. Uh, and sometimes to show off. Yeah. Is, uh, is there one beat that you're like really, really proud of over? Uh, of everything, the two yeah. beats I like the most that I've done is is two songs, Toothpaste and Cozy. Nice. Yeah. Um, and those those are, to me, those are like the most fully realized of that sound, that style, what I wanted to do when I set out to do it, you know. Those those were like yeah this is this is what I was going for this is how you want it to be yeah yeah do you remember your first song that you made where you thought all right I I can do this I'm doing I'm gonna be I'm putting out stuff solo it's happening yeah well when the first song I released it's called Hall of Fame and it's uh, RTA my group at the time and you know in retrospect I listen to it and I'm like it's a little long and it's it's you know I think it's one of these four verse songs right, with right. a scratch chorus in between every verse and you know, whatever, but I listen to it now and I stand behind it. I was yeah. like, yeah, this is pretty, pretty cool. Dope, dope. Yeah. Were you counting bars or anything at that point? Oh, yeah. Did you know? Yeah. yeah. You knew? No, him. no. I was, yeah. I, I had a back, like, I, I, I took a long time to become a rapper. I didn't just put, like, jump. I'm going to rap and jump on stage. I practiced stuff. I wrote stuff for, I mean, I started writing lyrics in 87 or 88. And I don't think I performed on a stage until 94. Yeah. And I didn't start rapping with my friends until 90 or 91. So, you know, that's like, I don't think people have that much of an incubation period anymore, but that's like years. Yeah, no. And a lot of it was I wanted to be at a point where I was comfortable. Yeah. You know. Makes total sense. Same way. I mean, I remember just waiting in the background, just yeah wanting you know because i had a certain idea of where i wanted my music to be before yeah. i put it out. i mean i had tons of stuff i messed around with my friends we put out little tapes and stuff in high school just yeah from, yeah and you know we freestyle we'd exactly. hang out all these sorts of things but like you know the first few times i was you know on stage and i was never i wasn't a confident performer you know in some ways i'm still not um i'm not one of these guys that's just like yeah you know I'm totally killing it right now. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. every time I get up there, I'm like nervous and I'm, I feel un, unsure of what I'm doing. Um, but I that's where the excitement comes from. Well, I don't project that, you know, <laughs> but it's like, it's like work, like the writing part, you know, the actual rapping part, you know, making beats, these things are easier, you know, being a, a some kind of 
performer is <laughs> it is often the more challenging. Well, yeah, there's so many know? aspects to it, right? I mean, yeah, it, at it, least for me. Well, I mean, look at MF Doom. Yeah. MF Doom was sending other people out to perform because A, he didn't want to travel, yeah. I think, at one point, and B, he just didn't care about being on stage or he just wanted to focus on making beats yeah. and rapping too. Well, right? it, it can be very disorienting. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, you go on stage and you perform and you do a show and then you kind of go back to what you were doing otherwise and, and it's these these intense feelings of like, wow, it's like, yeah, I'm 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 rocking this. I'm up there. I'm doing my thing, and then you're like, "Well, I'm at my call center job, you know, <laughs> the next day or whatever." And it's like some people just don't want to deal with both of those things. Not that MF Doom works at a call center, but and you know, <laughs> well, it's true. You've got your secret identity, and then you yeah. got you know your your real identity and your artistic yeah. expression. And uh, well, and, and yeah. yeah, and some people compartmentalize them probably better than I do. You know, like they're all the same for me. Like I'm, I'm not really a character, you know, I do things that are character like, but I also do that in life, you know, like, like I'm not my rap persona, at least in the last seven to eight years is not that different than who I am. (laughs) That's well, that's, (laughs) I was just going to say, it's like, there's a a truth to all your music that I hear and whether you're doing sort of, I don't know if it's stream of consciousness or just like really like you're having a lot of just, you know, these are honest thoughts and opinions and just great stuff without, you're not preachy. You're not, you know, overbearing. It's just real dope shit and real thoughts and truth. Just sort of what you're saying. And yeah, well, and and it's who you are, but it's also like that. There's a component of that. I, I think people, that do that will know this because, because it is, is, is where you're, you're like, you know, it, it's, I think it's easier to be like, I'm a character. I walk on stage. I'm a character. I step off stage. I'm no longer a character. Right. As opposed to like, I'm a dude who raps that you know, has these, like you said, ideas and, and thoughts and, you know, more direct kind of relationship to it. And the next day I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, you know, that's interesting. I, I'm sort of, as I'm speaking this, I'm, it's probably the first time I've ever thought about it, but it's like, yeah, it is different, you know, and, and I'm not saying, oh, I'm the only person that does that. Lots of people do it, but it is, it can be like, I can see why somebody would be like, I'm not doing shows. Yeah. Well, you've got the music. I mean, the shows are a necessary part. Some, some yeah. people love and it. It's some not like I, I don't, it's not like I hate performing. Like I actually quite like it, but but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's different, you know, it's different than just writing some, some verse and, and making a song at your house. It's an entire, yeah, yeah, entirely different beast. There's so many aspects to it and people don't, may not even think about that, right? You may yeah. think, oh, this is my favorite musician. And then you see them live and, oh, I, I don't know, you know, it's yeah. like better on, on recording and then some people yeah. impress you live and then you hear the recorded material. And it's like, this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's also this thing, like I always have this, I have this, this go back and forth because the era of hip hop I come from and, and a big part of like that for me, it's not, you know, I mean, you listen to Gangstar records where, where Guru's talking about like, like not being an entertainer or, or not being entertainment necessarily. Like, it's like this idea that, that being too much of a showman, being too much of an MC hammer yeah. is, is bad. <laughs> you well, know? Yeah, and mean- that's gone now. <laughs> like that's out the window now. Everybody wants these larger than life characters and these, you know, people that are, you know, have a new dance step every week and, and, 
do crazy shit all the time is is more like considered it's like people love that yeah right well now if, if yeah. you know if bird of prey you know you is it the thistle you have a is there a dance move the thistle no the, oh that's somebody else's oh, yeah. that's like mac dre that's some bay stuff okay. i just took the word i like the word but uh the yeah but, but you know yeah, if you came out with a record now, it's like yeah. the bird dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, or or just you know, however these things play out, it's like it's like this idea. Everybody really is like, it's boring if you just rap, and I want somebody to be entertaining. Yeah, uh, to me is is almost like it runs counter to a lot of what I believe is good about rap music. I wouldn't say entirely. Mm. You know, of course, I I you know, love Bismarck he or, or course, somebody yeah. like that, you know, who's, who's engaging and funny and all these things. But, but that's not the entirety of what, for example, biz is, Yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned hammer and I, it's funny with guru going, yeah. guru stance against guys like hammer and stuff like that. But at the time, yeah. I mean, when you think about guys like big daddy came, we're doing dances, right? Yeah. Like, well, and I'm not saying it's yeah. dancing per se, but it's this idea that you're, 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 a showman in, in the traditional sense yep. is that's like for a lot of people that wasn't like, there was something about that that made it not rap music. Like it was like, yeah, okay. And I'm not saying you don't put on a good show. You sure you do, but there is a difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And there are schools of guys too. I mean, you go see, like I remember when I, when I first saw cool Keith live, Yeah, his, Music at the time to me seemed so advanced and you, you think from Ultramagnetic and Dr. Octagon and all that stuff. But then seeing him perform, it's like this guy's old school in his in his performance and just doing like it just sort of heralded back to this almost like 80s era of, of guys you would think um, like with the call and response and stuff like that, which is a hip hop. Yeah. yeah. Tried and and that's thing. the thing. All those kinds of things yeah. come come back to the the cultural experience. And I think for, for a lot of people, you know, involved in it, it's, it's like, um, um, things like call and response, things like there being a number of people rapping back and forth. And, and, you know, I don't know, like, I think about like just ciphering or something like things like that, where you're like, you want to, you want to be like, you want people to notice you for your rapping. Yeah. Not, because you have a crazy haircut. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's the, you know. Well, the raps come first, always. They should always come first. Well, and, and, and they the don't. But, <laughs> and I've, I've fully accepted that. And I fully accept that it's, it's an entertainment industry driven thing at this point. But, um, but for the listeners, man, for headphone, I mean, rap is such a headphone. I mean, when you say for, the heads, for, like, you know, like. Yeah, for a lot of people it is, but it isn't for everyone. And I've never been it's not like I'm against those things. It's just for me personally and for my own version, whatever it is, my own version of this thing, music, culture, whatever it is, I, I just, it doesn't work for me. Right. Like, it's like, it's like, yeah, no, that I'm glad people are happy and like that stuff, but I, I don't really get into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny to see, you know, just looking through all the eras of rap and now where it is just really at an all time high for just sort of the diversified styles and everything and how people together now are collaborating who never would have done collabos years ago. You know, there's, there's been, I mean, amongst some of my friends and, you know, not everybody would agree with me for sure, but this conversation comes up where you go, a lot of popular 
mainstream, hugely successful artists are effectively what somebody would have called a backpacker or, or, you know, un, everything about them smacks of like an underground rapper, except they, they're better presented and they have uh, marketing behind them and they have that entertainment showbiz thing going on. And that aside, everything they're doing could be like the, the lyrics could effectively be off an atmosphere record from, from 96 or something. Totally, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. There's, there's this strange, like where you're like, Oh, you know, all, a lot of, a lot of these people are, are in that zone. Right. Yeah. What, what are you feeling right now? Like for current rap stuff, is there anything that's kind of jumping out at you? Like uh, you're still checking for, for not new really, stuff. No? I do listen to things. Like I, I listen to everything, but there's very little that I'm like, I'm trying to think like it's, it's to, for me to be like super excited about, you know, yeah. like, like a record I, I really thoroughly enjoyed was a, uh, Shabazz Palace's record. Yeah. Um, that, that came out. I liked, I liked that one a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. Jeez, it's tough. Uh, why don't you name some things and. Well, I mean, recently, I mean, I'm just thinking about like the stuff that I've been digging in the last like even six months or so. I mean, the run of the jewel stuff. I've always yeah, been that was, yeah, yeah, that was a really that was a really cool record. I like Killer Mike a lot too. Yeah, um, and it's an interesting combination. Um, LP and Killer Mike. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. It's it's uh, ref- that's the sort of thing that I find refreshing. And yeah, I feel like that. What I was talking about, like that weird sort of like where you look at a lot of the successful artists and you're like, oh, this just reminds me of the stuff that everybody was doing that everybody kind of shits on now and says is corny and lame and like you're oh your early 2000s da 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 like underground rap aesthetic is like not cool but it's almost like a group like that is like a shining example of how good that that's because both those artists come out of that effectively yeah they've got at know? least 20 years really of yeah doing, like co-flow was 93 94 well, sure. yeah but uh, you know in terms of like LP solo stuff and yeah. being really popular at that time. And, and obviously killer Mike's doing different music, but yeah. coming from a similar MC background, right? Like if you go back far enough, there's probably not that much difference between. Yeah. Them. And they've got, it's a combo of lyrics and crazy production and yeah. you know, they're, they're making it happen. And yeah, they've got a whole, now they got a whole thing behind them, right? Like they've, they've come up a few times on this podcast. People listening will know, like, you know, I, I was big on that run the jewel stuff and when well, um, it's timely, yeah. it's good, you know, music for the era we're living in. And I think yeah. it's, I think it's important, but it's also like, obviously there's just so much going on out there. Like for me, it's like, you know, I hear so many things like yeah. I, everything from, I, I, I could name like race a murder or something, you know, yeah. it's like, I'll, I'll be, you know, hanging out with friends and hear music like that and just be like, Oh, there I've heard, you know, I yeah. checked it out, whatever. Like, um, <laughs> there's not very much that, that I'm like, I'm like really flying the flag for. You know. Yeah. What about like the newer generation of popular rappers? Like Kendrick Lamar is a guy where on one hand I'm like, well, lyrically, this guy's really crazy. And there's some stuff he's done that I really, really dig. I mean, I'm, I I'm, feel- I'm quite, I like almost everything about that kind of music. Like I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I don't know the, the crossover with like some of the beat scene kind of stuff and, and, you know, him working with Thundercat. And and that kind of stuff is just like really appealing to me, you know, the sort of flying lotus, whatever yeah. type shit crossing over into like like being on a an Interscope record, like kind of amazes me. Yeah. But at its core, a lot of that stuff to me is still 
you know, it, it still feels, uh, that record may be a bad example because I, I, I think it's really important, but there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff coming out where I, I feel like it's like a product being pushed to me. A hundred percent. And that, that's always <laughs> you know? been the case. I mean, you just think about the nineties when Puffy took over and that every label yeah. just, they dropped all the good rappers. Let's just say yeah. and everybody went yeah. after that Puffy sound. Well, and, and I don't, I understand the way I the way I like to think about it is not everything's made for me and the world isn't designed for me. Yeah. It's like not for things I like necessarily. But yeah, I mean there I'm always listening to stuff like that. I'm always interested. I'm always like captivated by little moments um on records like that. You know, uh all these kinds of things are cool. But they don't there's something there's something weird about people, you know, being super, super amped on one thing and not paying attention to anything else that's going on uh, that I don't like. And that's not everybody. Cause you know, a lot of people like records like run the jewels or, or Kendrick Lamar that listen to a wide range of other stuff. Yeah. But there's always been something weird to me about, you know, it's like, Oh, Taylor Swift's favorite album is this. And that's supposed to be my favorite album. <laughs> it just seems weird to me. It's not, I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe two years after I listen to something, it should be a person like that's favorite record. Yeah. You know, not the week it comes out. <laughs> what would be your, what's Bird of Prey's favorite record? Um, I know ever? It's, it's hard to narrow down. Like Jeez. for rap records. like My you, favorite you, rap records are so boring. Uh, Ultramagnetic MCs, Critical Beatdown. Of course. Um, uh, main Source. Uh, Live at the Barbecue. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Breaking Adams. Breaking Adams, yeah. Do I have favorites beyond that? I mean, I like the first three Boogie Down Productions records a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Compton's Most Wanted lately. Yeah. Uh, early stuff. Okay. Uh, particularly like like Straight Checking Them is, is just fantastic. Uh, music to Drive By is great. Um, low Profile, I love. This is all really old stuff, right? But it's, it's where I'm at. I don't, yeah. I kind of don't, want to create in a space where I'm too caught up in what other people are doing now. So I like to, I like to just go back to stuff like that. Oh yeah. I go back to my favorite records all the time. Last yeah. A slaughterhouse, you know, early Wu Tang. I mean, Nas LL. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, like, and it's funny all... cause, cause like LL was super influential on me or, or, you know, like I mentioned cool Modi, but, but a, a lot of old records that I love are also kind of patchy. And there's only things, certain things about them that I really, really, I'm like, man, these seven songs are great. And the other four I could leave, you know, yeah, like yeah. stuff like that where you're like, so like, yeah, like there's very few records where I'm like, this is perfect, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it doesn't mean it's doesn't have value. Yeah. You know, what about Canadian rap records? There's stuff that you really like, do you remember any, hearing a Canadian rap record and you were like, this is, you know, Canada can actually put out dope rap. I, I've always felt like Canada had dope rap but the other thing for me like that's really important like that people people kind of get and kind of don't get i think is that is that um i'm i'm a singles person like i was always into 12 inch singles and and singles and and you know that one song and just being like oh you know, and the rest of the album might have been terrible. Yeah, Jamal fades them all. The remix was great, but I don't care about the record, yeah. the full album. Yeah, yeah. And on and by the same token, sometimes you go back to a record you thought was terrible, and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. A recent thing that I discovered myself, you know, for my own listening was was uh, Justin Warfield, which at the time I would have never messed with. 
And I was like, wow, this Justin Warfield stuff is cool. It's I don't good. really know. Yeah, who's Justin Warfield? Uh, he had a song called Season of the Vic. Uh, there's another song called uh, B-Boys on Acid. That uh, I'm totally uh, blanking if I know that record. Yeah. You probably don't. Because yeah. I, I wasn't, I remember when it came out and I was just like, I thought it was like alternative rap. And I was definitely not into that as an idea back yeah. then. But I'm more open to that. Is it like Lucas with the lid off type stuff? A little bit, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. not really. Like that's more like sort of jazzy, jazzier, right? right this is yeah. more like weirder. Okay. Uh, I liked, I like, and and pretty smooth when you think about it. Justin Warfield kind of sounds like he was compared to Q-Tip a lot. Okay. Yeah. I'm um, gonna go check for that after. That's this. interesting. Yeah. We've just spent <laughs> a number of minutes <laughs> talking about Justin Warfield. Uh, <laughs> That's what it's about, man. The weekend, yeah. just kind of chilling. But yeah, just, you know, just discovering things, listening to things. I, I, I got a real, um, an interesting thing that, that I, I really like is, is um, rap from North Carolina and South Carolina from the 80s. Oh, from the 80s. I was going to say, because 90s, I'm thinking, is Mad Skills from North Carolina? No. Uh, Virginia. Virginia. Which okay. also, like, it's all sort of the same area. But yeah. there's this interesting thread, I think, in... in if you sort of do the history of hip hop thing, you'll notice that a lot of really cool records came out of that region and people, producers, you know, ski, uh, being one of the, the more mm-hmm. well-known producers from there. And, and, um, I'm trying to think there's a few, there's a handful of others, but records like the busy boys, uh, and Supreme DJ Nyborn stuff like this. See, I don't know this stuff, man. You're schooling me right well, now. Well, it's, it's obscure and not obscure. Like you could find it if you look, um, North Carolina eighties hip hop. Yeah. But it's I don't really, know really what. solid. I, and mm. it sounds, you know, like really good New York rap, except I get the feeling that a lot of these folks kind of lived in rural areas. Yeah. Which is a very interesting to me. Where was Southern comfort from? Do you remember that record? Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good. I think they might. They're from that region. I feel too. yeah, and because yeah. that album was amazing. Well, and Yag Fu Front. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. So that would have been group from there. Yeah, that, that's thinking, the thing. That's I'm, 90, I'm very interested. Your, yeah, because you take another any other rural part of the United States. You know, not that it's. I mean, there's huge cities in these places, and a lot of people were from the cities, but not every a number. I think a number of these artists were were from smaller towns. Yeah, yeah. Um, at least you know a handful of them were, which is unusual yeah. in the '80s. Uh, and but you take another rural area like that, even nearby, and there wasn't that quality wasn't there, and you're just like, what led to this? You know, it's so curious. Yeah, you know, and I don't know the answer. It's where well, it's again like we were talking earlier about the, sort of the Canadian yeah. scenes and stuff like that. Ray was yeah. from I believe from South Carolina as okay. well, and he produced you know the artifacts and, and yeah things like that. Um, so yeah, it's very, things like that. Crucial conflict. Me. Are they? No, no, they're from the Midwest. Okay. Midwest. Yeah. Uh, and they're more they're Yeah. They, they had that. I can't remember. There's a name for that style. They do. They're sort of in the bone thugs. Yeah. Range, yeah. Range. I think it's weird. I'm thinking of all these groups. Yeah. Now you're, yeah. Now you're like rural rap, but it's, yeah. there's, yeah, there's, that's a, that's a cool thread for me. And, and yeah, classic Canadian stuff, you know, is interesting. The records that are really, really hitting where you're like, wow, this, could be huge, you know? Yeah. Well, so for Canadian record, like, I ghetto, mean, obviously, ghetto concepts, yeah. dope is to me is like a prime example of, yep. you know, just a slamming single. When I heard it at the time, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. You know, easy on the motion too. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, for sure. And that to this day, I mean, that instrumental was so crazy. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, um, uh, but yeah, singles more than anything, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I mentioned Socrates earlier. Yes. Eight runs deep, but that 12 inch single was huge, insane. And I don't huge. think that ever came out on CD. I mean, probably it's out now, but it I still have the 12 inch. But, yeah. but it was a 12 inch thing, you know? And, and those types of records are very interesting. And, and a lot of them are really hard to find. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were saying, I mean, I've got old Halifax 12 inches that I think are pretty yeah. rare. Well, and, yeah. And the, and and the first time, early ones. Totally different vibe. But like the first time I heard the Sebi tones, you know, it was just like, what yep. is this? This is fascinating. Yeah. Sebi tone def. I'm yeah. proud owner of that 12 inch there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is. I don't even know how many they made. I maybe a thousand, maybe five hundred. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't even think know. It was more. It probably wasn't more than five hundred. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But the Canadian rap scene still happening, and well, I mean, it's, it's happening now. Grow, yeah, I would say there's so many, and now it's just you know even more so. But even back then, there was all these little. You know, you couldn't associate it. I wouldn't associate a number of the groups we're talking about with each other. They're so yeah. different. You know, a, a person. For me, that was very influential as well. You know, we talked about Tom Quinlan earlier, but also Fritz the Cat. Yeah, of course. You yeah. know, huge. And Fritz the Cat was from London and then in Toronto yeah. and he started in Divine Styler, or in Search of Divine Styler yeah. magazine, yeah. which was a zine in, yeah. I guess, late 90s, early 2000s. That would be coming out. Yeah, and in, in Divine Style, he had the... Uh, the and, and the, the weekly, rap, weekly night, rap Night, which was basically what we patterned the five dollar rap show after i mean more or less used to yeah. spin it in divine style and then when we when that that ran about seven or eight years and that was weekly for a while too yeah. we were talking about yeah and it's amazing that at a, at a certain point you could do it you know it was there was people were coming through just showing up in your city and and there was enough talent to draw from you know not saying there isn't now but it's a little more it's a lot more to sift through because back yeah. then the other thing was uh it, the the lack of access to recording made a lot of people they they would just wouldn't have songs to yeah. play right so exactly you could be the dopest rapper in your town but if you had nowhere to record a yeah. an album you were yeah. out of luck right and that's where a lot of like a lot of early vancouver stuff sort of got lost in the shuffle there's a number of groups i could think of that either you know would put out a demo maybe recorded three songs or one song or no song but I remember them and they were great. Oh yeah. I always, I mean, some of the best rappers I've ever met never recorded anything. Yeah. Like some of the guys I was growing up with, I was like, this yeah. is crazy. And they, to this day, never put anything out. Right. Yeah. But it's just, that's, it takes, you know, it's like you're talking about performing. It's a whole other thing. If you want to say, all right, I'm actually going to record this yeah. and then I'm actually going to yeah. release it to strangers. <laughs> well, and there's this, there's something, I find something admirable about people that didn't record in a sense. Like, it's like, Nobody knows except who was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was in this freestyle cipher in an alley one night. And yeah. The best MC I'd ever heard was there. And he never and he had gone. An and yeah. nobody, nobody can confirm or deny it. Yeah. Uh, so when you're making your records now, I mean, are you, you're making them for yourself, obviously, but you're, you, do you have listeners in mind, like people who share your, your ear? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's interesting because I have a real, a real cool cross section of friends that are into all sorts of stuff and, and might not necessarily be friends with each other or know each other, but you know, and, and I, I go on uh record digging trips with my buddy Cipriano shout out to him. He's, he's a, uh, amazing, um, archivist of music and, and works on reissues and stuff like that and various projects with a label called light in the attic out of Seattle. He'll come to me and be like, I really liked this. And, and I'll be like, yeah, okay, cool. That's good. A lot of, uh, other than that, it's mostly just the people I'm working with, you know, but someone else, you know, may like another song, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, but I, I always make stuff for myself first. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've always, that's to this day, it's for me and my friends. Yeah. And it's totally. like, yeah, and now I'll write something and I think, oh, I know my buddies, you know, I know who's going to yeah, appreciate this, this yeah, or, you know, and you someone know. else is going to get this. And, and yeah, but at the end of the day, it's your, it's your body work and it, it represents you. And yeah, man, thank you so much for coming by and hanging no, out the weekend. You. I know you're a busy man and this yeah. is great. You got a in between record digging and record producing and yeah. rapping and, crazy shows things doing things yeah yeah so where can people find you if they want to check your music um well the marathon com website is that what they call it a website uh yeah it's a good place to start uh i mean i'm on various you know social media places instagram probably being the one i keep up with the most but you obviously can't listen to anything of mine there i don't really do uh, SoundCloud very much or any of these things. I probably have some songs on there. So the Marathon Dope's got the new stuff, but what if people want to check for the back catalog? Get out there and dig. D- yeah, I like, all right. Do what I do. Just go find things. Like I'm, Nothing Is Cool? Yeah. I don't even know where you can find that record now. Yeah, it's, hunt it's it. out of print. I, I mean, I do know where you could find a great number of that record, but uh, no comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, go start start hunting. No, I people. don't have any. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that. Well, you should check check for all bird stuff and uh, uh, everything is cool. Everything is cool. Yeah. Everything is cool. Great. Thanks again, man. Thank you. Thanks right. for having me. I don't know much about fluoride, but I do know that I've never had a cavity in my whole life. I'm not an expert on plaque either, but my dentist says that my gums are healthy. I write words for open fields, not store by with broken seals. I've got friends that no one feels. Fresh to death though, can't conceal. Hand them out for random meals. So far away from landing deals. Took for granted the ground you walk on. Still as solid as the wood you knock on. A lock on living, so control. I've got friends that no one knows. For a party and no one shows. But I go places where no one goes. I say things I mean, I stay in two things. Things just seem blase. We seem to get paid, mean what I say. So just be easy, it's all okay. Alright, we're here for tonight, okay? Just hear what I say, alright, alright. words for crowded streets work my way through a mountain of beats enjoy the view the highs and lows embrace the pain you try to dull appreciate what i find enriching drink the beer with the football stitching i have folks who roll up smokes one plus five and roll up broke mess with screw face lessons you face everything's minty fresh as toothpaste who stays raw with the porn collection dudes chase broads with an orange complexion that shit ain't cool I cross the line more times than a mule Solar power provides my fuel Fuck Red Bull, I'd rather eat gruel Alright, we're here for tonight, okay Just hear what I say, alright Alright, okay And donate lobster The only MCs Colgate sponsored Don't associate With probate mobsters I floss hard Homemade boxes I write words A better bitter The 
these letters litter the edge of the river A metamorphosis never considered The prettiest portrait you ever envisioned So magnetic, erase the tape Middle of the road, swish like grape I'm off my rocker and I'm out of shape I'm off the Danforth, up by pape I write words and I'm not the herb I take girls on dates to the Sherb In East Vancouver, I'm the most preferred Ask my man Word, yo, that's my word Alright, we're here for tonight, okay Hear what I say, all right, all right, okay, okay, toothpaste, toothpaste, all right, okay, all right, okay, all right, okay, toothpaste. This has been a presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.